Hello and welcome to another episode of the Performance Rising Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Dunn, and today I'm talking to Chris Dory, head baseball coach at Plattsburgh University. He's in his 19th season, the only head coach since the restart of the program in 2002. He is a three-time SUNYAC Coach of the Year and the winniest coach in school history with 301 victories. So with that impressive introduction, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Matthew, for having me. I appreciate it. Really looking forward to this. You have the distinction of being the first baseball coach I have spoken to, and I'm really looking forward <laughs> to learning a lot more about baseball. That's awesome. Um, so the way we like to start this, Chris, is to say, tell us about your journey. Where did you come from sure. and where are you now? Sure. So I'm from uh, I'm from as far upstate in, in New York as you can get uh, from Peru, New York, which is, uh, you know, 60 miles south of Montreal, Canada. Uh, baseball player in high school. Uh, come from a family of athletes. Had a, a brother played pro baseball. My father played uh, soccer in college. So we uh, definitely have an athletic family. I'm the youngest of seven. So I was around sports all the time. Um, Ended up wanting to go play college baseball and uh, had a good opportunity. Played at uh, community college here locally at Clinton Community College for a season. And then uh, ended up at Stony Brook University. Um, finished playing there and then uh, graduated on a Saturday. Came home to substitute teach. Started on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And Coach Sank called me back and said, hey, I got a job. Do you want it? And I said, yep. And I moved all the way back down to Long Island. So graduated, moved home for three days and moved back, uh, in a matter of a week. So, uh, started my coaching career there, um, coach with coach Sank for three years during the D three to D one transition, uh, got an opportunity to, uh, thanks to coach Sank. I mean, he told me, he said, if I really wanted to be a college coach, I needed someplace other than Stony Brook on my resume at a certain point. And, uh, he helped me get a job at McMurray college out in Jacksonville, Illinois. Um, was an assistant coach for, for a great uh, coach and Tom Lenz for one season. And then coach Lenz went into the private business uh, and I was able to become the head coach at McMurray and was there for three years. And then uh, Plattsburgh announced that they were adding baseball and it's 10 minutes from my hometown. So uh, been for it and uh, got it and haven't really looked back since. I mean, that was the summer of 2001 and uh, have been at Plattsburgh since. Um, so yeah, a kind of a crazy journey that led me all the way back home. And so why baseball? What did baseball mean to you when you were a kid? You know, for me, I just, I mean, I was around every sport growing up in a family that big and, and having brothers and sisters that did everything. Um, you know, for me, baseball uh, <laughs> is pre-analytics when I was around baseball, but I was a stat guy. I was looking at the stats, looking at the numbers, trying to figure out the best way to to do things, I would always find myself watching games and thinking about what I would do in that situation. And uh, it just became my passion. And it, it's been my passion for a long time. And I'm lucky enough to have found a job where I can delve into my passion and try to give that passion to other kids. Now, you said your father played professional baseball. Is that a good thing or a troublesome yeah. thing when the kid decides my, to play the same My sport? brother played pro baseball. Brothers, uh, thank my, you. My father played soccer, uh, but my brother playing pro baseball, you know, I think that was good and bad for me. I remember, you know, he's, he's about 10 years older than I am, and I remember when he got cut from the Expos organization, I think I took it harder than he did. Um, that was really my first time ever knowing that baseball was a business as opposed to just, you know, dudes going out and playing baseball. Um, but he talked to me about it, but he, he was always there to push me, um, and guide me on this journey. He, he's probably the best, uh, coach I ever had. And I only had him for a year when I was in uh, eighth grade and it was just, he was awesome for me. Um, and yeah, you know, you get compared to relatives a lot when you grow up in a small town. And he never compared me. He he has never, ever said, boy, I was better than you. And I don't think I've ever said anything like that to him. I always think of him as my hero. I mean, he's really the the reason that I was around baseball so much. I just, I followed him around. I was, I was his bat boy. I was his team manager. I just, I wanted to do everything he did. And uh, that's, that's probably how I ended up in the game. 
So one of the topics that comes up a lot on the podcast, and certainly was um, relevant to my own coaching experiences, there's a big jump between player and coach. I think so often people think if you play, you can coach, and and I disagree with that completely. I think they're two separate <laughs> skill sets. So I'm wondering about your evolution from player to coach. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was a head coach at the age of 24 years old, and I wish I could go back and do some things a lot different. Um, you know, when I was 24 years old, I could still play baseball, and I thought everybody should be able to do it the way I did it. And you know, now I'm I'm going to be 48 next week. And uh, I'm completely on the other side of it. Now it's more about, hey, go out, do it this way, do it that way. If I could go back and coach the McMurray College teams I coached in 99 and 2000 and 2001, I think we would be significantly better uh, because I would teach them better. Um, I would still have, I wish I could go back to that time and and demand what I did then from, from my players today. But if I could go back and talk to those kids a little bit better than I did then when I was 24, I was mean. Uh, there's no chance I would want my, my, my son's a junior in high school. There's no chance that I would have wanted my son playing for me at the age of 24. Cause I just was not a really nice coach. You know, that is fascinating on a couple of levels. The first is I always think of a McEnroe quote, which is if I had my mind, uh, in my young body, what a difference it would be. And I, and I feel the same way, certainly as a coach, there's a, there's a steep learning curve, but thinking about, you said, uh, you were mean and I get it because I, there is something about new coaches that we default to this idea that anger equals motivation. And I'm wondering if that resonates with you and why you think that exists. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's definitely true. I think all I wanted to do was anytime somebody stepped out of line, I wanted to make sure they knew I was in charge. Whereas now I'm so comfortable in my own skin that it's I know I'm in charge they know I'm in charge they're not doing anything intentionally to do something wrong um, you know and I think back then it was well this kid's challenging me or this kid is doing this just to do to, to get me mad and just wanted to I think when you're younger you're you're so scared to be wrong whereas now I know yes. if I make a mistake all I have to do is say hey man I made a mistake I mean, I've done it in games. I, I, I always think back, we had a doubleheader in 2017 where I sent a runner in the bottom of the seventh inning, last inning of the game, and he got thrown out at the plate to end the game. And right away, I knew I shouldn't have sent him. And all I told the team at the end of that game is, hey, you guys got to pick me up in this game because I screwed up. And then they, they had my back. They went out there and they won the next game. But it was just I couldn't have done that when I, when I was 24, it would have been the runner's fault. The runner would have taken a bad angle. The runner would have done something that he screwed up. It wasn't his, it wasn't my fault. Whereas now I think, uh, I'm okay to say, yeah, yeah, I I've messed up. I shouldn't have done that. And that 24, there's no chance of that happening. Yeah. It's a degree of vulnerability. Truly. Yeah, no, and, and, no question. and I think, I think it's the same with umpires. Like if I, I know at 24, I, I can remember being at McMurray College and, and trying to get thrown out of games and seeing how many I could get thrown out of. Whereas now I, I see, usually when I go talk to the umpires, there's times where I'm mad at them. But usually it's, hey, I think you might have missed that one. What did you see there? You know, usually a conversation now, whereas 20 years ago, it was flying off the handle, just trying to prove my point. Right, right. Now you're going to have to educate me a little bit here because I'm naive when it comes to the intricacies of baseball. But what is your leadership structure like? Oh, man, it used to be dictatorial. <laughs> right. Now, now it's a lot more collaborative. You know, like uh, before it used to be we would have a, a team captain and that team captain would uh, deal with me on a one-on-one -on -one basis and whatever I wanted, that, that guy would go tell the team we had to do it this way, we had to do it that way. And now, I mean, we're naming, we've selected our captains. We're officially announcing tomorrow. We have five guys and it's more of a leadership group. You know, we try to get them, you know, 20 years ago, I made every decision about everything and I still make all the decisions, but I try to, with these five guys, like we'll have a guy that says, all right, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we'd like to do on the road. When we go to eat, here's what we'd like to do. Here's what we'd like to stay. And I just try to give them some ownership. I might still make that decision and know where we're going to stay and where we're going to eat and try to push them to that. But I let them be involved. And that wasn't ever true before. It was, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. I was so rigid 
that it sometimes wasn't fun for the, for the players. Um, whereas I think now it's, it's a little bit, Hey, it's not necessarily, I'm making the final decision, but you didn't like dinner. Okay. So next time you're going to be involved. I had a kid the other day, you know, we're practicing on the turf and uh, he goes, well, the bases aren't lined up. I said, well, you know what, tomorrow when we line up the bases at eight 30 in the morning, you're going to be here and you're going to do it. And, you know, I think he understood a little bit better that, Oh, you know what? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's somebody's doing stuff. Everybody's trying to do their best and I have to help out once in a while. And it's just the leadership structure now, as opposed to even when I played at Stony Brook, coach Shank was really tough. He still is really tough, but it's just a different type of toughness. Now, um, you know, back then it was, you run through that wall and then you can ask me about it after. Whereas now, if I tell a kid to do something, he might say, hey, coach, why are we doing this? And you just have to be able to explain it to them. Some kids, you know, kids learn differently. Athletes learn differently. Coaches learn differently. Um, you know, and I think once you realize that, you will become significantly better. Well, what you're, what you're talking about is really interesting because I would say all of the coaches I've spoken to have said the same thing, that as they matured, they have given away as much power as they possibly could. That instead of yeah. trying to say, I am the be all end all, they diffuse that power throughout the organization. And, and as you said, look, the, the buck's going to stop with you because it has to. Uh, but short of those kind of um, critical decisions, it's, it's empowering others to become involved in the leadership of the group. For sure. And it wasn't always that way. I think society is more that way than it ever used to be. And I think that's a good thing. But I, I, it just wasn't that way when I was in school. It was, hey, even in high school, I played for some really good high school coaches. Um, you know, and if, if if Coach A said, you do it this way, guess what? You just go do it that way. And I, yes. I always go back when I was a senior in high school, I was, I was a, a pretty good baseball player. I always was a really good hunter. And I played for a coach in the summer that allowed me to bunt one way. And when I got to high school for my senior year, coach said, wait, wait, you don't bunt like that. And I said, coach, I'm pretty good at it this way. And he said, go ahead and give it a shot. And then he let me do it because I succeeded at it. And that's where I've gone. I am more now, if something works for you, I'm going to let you do it that way. If something, as long as it's within our system. But if something doesn't work for you, you have to be willing to change and adapt because we are trying to make you the best you can be. But if it doesn't work for you, I'm confident you want to pitch more or you want to play more. So we have to make small changes. Was this purely a byproduct of experience or was there some moments along the way where you can say, like, that was a lesson learned right there? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I really just think it's experience. I do. I, I think because kids, I don't want to say kids are different because that's so cliche. I think kids have always been kids. I, I, I was probably, if you ask my high school coach and you ask my college coach, I guarantee they say the same things 20 years ago, 30 years ago that I'm saying now about kids. So I don't think it's that kids are different. I just think when you mature, I, <laughs> The big, I'll tell you the biggest turning point for me was, was the birth of my son. Once I had my own child, it became totally different to me. I started talking to kids a little bit differently. Uh, once I had my daughter three years later, I definitely changed. And I became, you know, people will say softer. My old, if you ask my players in 2002, I'm a lot softer now than I was when they were playing. So it's just, you, you, you mature as person I think you become a different person you still I mean baseball wise I still have the same mindset I just go about dealing with things a little bit differently I mean I yelled at our team today for the first time this spring because we're dealing with all the stuff we're dealing with but today I told them I said we've been practicing for two weeks and this is unacceptable what you guys are doing right now I said this isn't this isn't going to work for us and it, 20 years ago that would have been a screaming match today it was just kind of talking to them in a little bit louder voice than they've heard me talk to them in. So what's important? <laughs> communication, I think, is the most important. Yeah. And that's, that, that's different. You know, communication 20 years ago was me saying, all right, here's what we're going to do today. Do it. Whereas communication now, I mean, I'll work on practice tomorrow. Tomorrow's practice plan I'll be working on after this phone call. And it will be emailed to those kids. They'll get a text message with the practice plan in it just trying to make sure they have an idea of what we're expecting from them tomorrow. Um, 
you know, and, and what's going to be needed by each of them so that they don't show up there tomorrow morning and feel like they don't have an idea of what we're doing. So we just, I, I think the communication is just, it's still the same. We're still trying to get the same end result, but we're doing it in different ways. I've had to adapt, you know, it's, it's something that, and this is in probably the last five or six years where it's really become, you have to use technology. I mean, our, our kids want to know stuff. They, they want to know when they want to know why, and that's fine. Instead of saying in the old days, it was, hey, we're going to practice tomorrow at three o'clock, be here and be ready to go. Tomorrow, we're going to practice. Here's the practice plan. Here's what you have to do. Here's what you have to do. And they just want it spelled out. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just takes the coach adapting to that style. And it took me a long time. There was a couple of years where it got really tough because I wasn't willing to change. And then I changed. You just, you know, you have to change. You have to be willing to want the best for your kids. And if, if you changing a little bit is going to help your kids, it shouldn't be that hard for you to do. So I don't want to beat this drum too much. Cause I think it's gold that you're, what you're talking about. And a lot of coaches should hear this. Um, my question though, is you said, you know, you needed to change. How did you know you needed to change? Oof. I always talk to my seniors at the end of the year. I have forever. I think every coach does that. And, you know, I've talked to, you know, <laughs> obviously at the end of the good years, it's always good, you know, and then you get a group. We almost dropped baseball. So we restarted baseball in 2002 and we almost re, we almost re baseball in 2012. So if you look at the, the records, the support started to get a little bit different in our department and from our school, but we had to fight through it. And, uh, and, and we had some lean years once those recruited kids weren't around anymore. Um, and basically we were running a club baseball team and we had to start over. I mean, it was, it was for two years, just kind of show up and play baseball if you're here in Plattsburgh. And that was tough, but we fought through it. And then you talk to the new kids and they come in and in 2017 was when we really restarted what we were doing and talk to those kids and you'd ask them, what do you want? What do, what can we do to make you better? And, and they would tell us, you know, we need you to communicate better. We don't need you to yell at us so much. We need to eat at better places. We, all things that I would agree with, um, you know, punishing, you know, when I play baseball, you know, if you lost a game, you, you might not eat on the way home or you might not eat for a couple of hours. Even when I was here at Platts, Plattsburgh to Fredonia is about nine hours. I can remember losing uh, a doubleheader at Fredonia and I was not happy. And it was one of our players' uh, birthdays. So his mom brought him some cookies, uh, like a container of cookies. And he was scared for his mom to bring him the cookies to the bus. And he asked me and I was like, yeah, okay, Josh, no problem. And then we got on the bus and it was like, we're not going to eat for a little while. And my assistant coach, after about three hours, said, hey, Chris, I'm really hungry. Do you think we could stop and eat? And I said, yeah, we probably should eat, huh? Whereas nowadays, it's, hey, we're going to eat. We're going to get home. I mean, punishing kids without eating, it's not, it's not the way to, to get the problem solved. Um, you know, the, as long as everybody's trying to do what they need to do, the best that they can do, and can look themselves in the mirror at the end of the day, and said, I gave my best today. No coach can have any issue, at least with the effort. And that's, that's, that's what gets me sometimes is sometimes it'll look like they're not trying kids and, and they are no kid wants to go out in any sport and just lose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said something about restarting the program and that's fascinating to me. Tell me about just how, tell me about that roller coaster. Oh, Ooh, man, I can tell you day. all about it. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about <laughs> yeah, the roller so, coaster. I mean, so, you know, this is my hometown. So, I mean, I'm 10 minutes from my hometown. So winning here is awesome. You know, having the opportunity to come back here and, and do the things that I want to do, uh, knowing that Plattsburgh is, is awesome athletically. So we're, we're in 2002. We restart baseball. We have a, a former – we had baseball until 1976 in New York State, cut some sport – or SUNY cut some sports then. So, Flatsburg baseball was cut. Um, to restart the program, we have an alum that graduated in 1956 that gifts the school about a half of a million dollars. Uh, that builds us up. We have a 500 baseball stadium. 
Uh, it's, it's got everything we need to, to win at our level, at the Division three level, and compete at a high level. And from 2002 until 2010, there's only three teams in the New York region that win more games than Plattsburgh State. Uh, one of them happens to be Cortland, who's in our conference, which, uh, you know, stinks. But uh, Cortland, RPI, and St. John Fisher. And those are the three teams that we're competing with all the time. 2010, we finished the season 30 and 10. We're ranked as high as 16th in the country. And we, we catch a bad break late in the season and uh, don't make where the, I'm actually on the national committee and we're the first team left out of the tournament that year, which was the hardest call I've ever had to make to, well, as far as baseball goes, that's the hardest call I've ever had to make to, to baseball players. Um, so 2011, our season starts, obviously we're, we're preseason ranked. We're in the top 25 and uh, we have, it's about, it's actually around this time of 2011 and we get a rain out, a snow out, you know, the typical North country or Northeast baseball weather. And we work out an arrangement. We're supposed to go play at like Stevens tech and, and down near the city. And we're going to play at new Paltz and, and we kind of rearrange the game. Stevens tech's going to let us use their turf field and rearrange the games. And our hockey team is in the, the national final four. So my boss is out in Minnesota. And I call my boss. This has never been an issue before. Call my boss, say, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this. And all of a sudden, I get a call that says, no, we're not going to do that. I'm going to drop baseball and softball at the end of the year. Just and like went, that. Just like that. And I, I can I remember it. <laughs> I remember it, believe me. Um, it, and, you know, the, the AD and I went back and forth a little bit there. And uh, I remember going. I, I remember going upstairs. The team was hitting in uh, our arena. I went upstairs and said, hey, boys, we're done. We're off for the weekend. And I went home, uh, chipped off ice off of my back deck, told my wife that if I wasn't married with two kids, I would have just quit my job. Mm -hmm. That's how frustrated I was. And then uh, told my boss's boss and, you know, said, hey, come in, see me on Monday. Came in, went in and talked to him. And he said, Chris, as much as you want to believe Plattsburgh State Baseball is your team, it's Plattsburgh State's baseball team. To which, you know, of course, I yelled, screamed, whatever, and, and dealt with it. And then uh, Mr. Cummings decided that he would put the bill for baseball and softball to stick around. And we were able to stick around. And that AD has since retired. So we got a new AD in the spring of 2016. And I asked him about his commitment to baseball. And uh, we had a great conversation. And he's done some good things for us. And things are getting back to normal. But you know, as I always say, I gave the best 10 years of my coaching career probably right there to get Plattsburgh into the top 30. And then it basically got pulled right out from under my feet. So once it gets going again, once you get that green light that it's on, how do yeah. you shift? Because I can understand you, you go from the high, hate to say low, but let's call it low. Oh, no. To not have, Listen, we, went, yeah. <laughs> we went from 30 and 8 to 6 and 30 in a five-year span. Yeah. So we, we went from high to low. So how do we restart it? I can remember that conversation. Mike Howard and Mike was hired. Uh, he agreed to take the job in March of 2017, 2016, March of 2016. Uh, we were on our spring trip in Florida and we were having a conversation and uh, he said, yes, we're going to, we want to be good again. And I was like, all right. So uh, talked to my assistant coach and I said, look, we're going to have to find some players. Because uh, I, I would not bring in top-level recruits to Plattsburgh and guarantee them they were going to have a great experience. I just wouldn't do it. Um, it's, it's just something my wife taught me early in our marriage. Just tell the truth and deal with it. Um, and I couldn't do that to top recruits. I could not bring them into my office and say, yeah, come to Plattsburgh. So we didn't do it. And I just told uh, my assistant coach at the time and said, hey, we need to get after this. And uh, right away, we brought in 21 brand-new players that fall. And they started to reshape the program. And, uh, you know, the last couple of years, we, well, not last year, the year before we missed out on the playoffs uh, by a game. So we're, we're getting back to where we need to be. It's, it's just finding players that believe in your style and your, the, what you're expecting from them and what you're trying to get from them. Um, for me, it, it changed. I mean, when I was 24, I always go back to McMurray and, the, and those kids. And I didn't care if those kids went to school. I didn't care if those kids got in trouble. 
I did not care about anything other than what they did on the baseball field. And now it's, it's not completely changed. I, I want them to all succeed on the baseball field, our players we have now, but I need them to be good people. I need them to come to school. I need them to graduate. I really need them to want one of them to become rich and, you know, help us out. But I mean, I, I just want the best for them. Whereas before it was really just, I wanted the best baseball player that could come play for me. And what is that? So let's go there into your, your current program. Um, sure. You know, how would you describe your culture? Yeah. You know, our culture, I'm looking for <laughs> blue collar guys. I want guys that at the end of the day, their uniforms dirty. They got sweat running down their face. Their, their shirt is drenched. They have put in a good hard effort at trying to become the best version of them that they can be. Now that's on the baseball field. I also need them to, to go to the classroom and be the best student they can be. And then we do a lot of community service at Plattsburgh State. So we ask our student athletes to be the best person they can be. Um, you know, you don't, when you're 17, 18, 19, 20, you don't, I don't want to say you don't care about community service, but you definitely care about it differently than when you're say my age and all of a sudden that community service that, that you did 20 years ago, you're like, oh, that's why Coach Sank made us do that. Oh, that's why Coach Dory made us do that. I mean, I've always been a, a firm believer in helping out Alzheimer's disease, but it became significantly imp more important to me five years ago when my mom was suffering from Alzheimer's disease. Um, you know, it just the kids getting the kids to understand why you're doing the things is an all the time thing. Why are we doing this community service? Well, here's why. Why are we going to do this uh, drill today? Here's why. It's going to make us better here, here and here. Why do I have to go to class? Because it's going to make you better here, here, and here. And I think uh, that wasn't always true. Those are the type of players we need now. I, I, I'm looking for a well-rounded player that wants to come to school, have a great baseball experience, make a lot of lifelong friends, and succeed in life after they're done here. Yeah. And do they define that? They definitely. I don't, I'm not going to define what their success is. Uh, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. It's like, uh, you know, every year, probably at every school, definitely at our level where, you know, D3, uh, you're going to go into an athletic meeting and everybody's going to talk about grade point average and what's your team GPA. And I can remember there, there was years where my team GPA was one of the lower ones among male sports or male athletes. And I can remember our basketball coach standing up and saying, listen, we can't compare teams GPAs to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And the AD said, well, why? And he said, it was our men's basketball coach. And he said, well, I'm, I'm recruiting young men that come out of high school that have C averages. I, if they're a 2-0 student in high school, why do we think they're going to be a 4-0 student in college? Just need them to be the best they can be. And, and I stole that from Tom. And I just said, you know, you're coming out of high school and every recruit that comes in my office will talk about high school, their GPA, whatever it is. And I'm like, well, what's your GPA? And they'll say, you know, 3-0. Okay. Well, you need to be a 3-0 student in college. Can you be a 275? Yeah. But I'd like you to try to be a 325. You know, so we just kind of set small goals for them while they're in school. Um, you know, but I, I you know, and graduation's always another one that we talk about. And I can remember having we had two young men that graduated. Uh, they didn't graduate, actually, they finished their playing career, but they both had jobs lined up to become state police officers. So they, they finished their senior season of baseball, but they didn't graduate. So they left school. And I remember getting called in about that. And I said, well, wait a minute. They're both making more money than I am right now to be your baseball coach. Aren't I doing a good job preparing them for life? And the AD said, yeah, you're right. You know what? We wish they would graduate, but they're doing what they wanted to do. And I think sometimes uh, we get caught up in those numbers. You know, it's, it's like analytics in baseball. You just get caught up in numbers. There's so much data thrown at people, you know, uh, well, why didn't this kid graduate? Well, because he, he's doing what he wants to do and he's doing well. So we should be happy. And I, I'm not necessarily, I don't want to say, I don't want guys to graduate, but I want them to come to college, find their niche and move on. Yeah. I, I'm 100% behind you on that. Um, I've heard that argument myself many times about how, essentially the belief that there should be some sort of consistency across the board in all athletics, but which completely rejects the sociological and economic trends of each sport. I'm coming from soccer. 
guess mm-hmm. what? Soccer, unfortunately, in this country is upper middle class. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are a lot of other sports that don't have those same advantages that are afforded to certain pockets of the population. So I hear you on that. Um, to stump you completely, I'll ask the famous question that I ask everyone, is, which is, what is culture? What is culture? That is definitely the stump question for sure. I mean, if, if we all knew, that would be easy. Um, you know, it's definitely not easily defined. And I think sometimes it evolves. I mean, for, for, I will say for my first 10 years, when we were really building Plattsburgh state into a national team, it was, uh, it was that, that effort we were always going to be, if you, if you talk to the coaches that coach against us, we were always going to be the team that never gave up. So our, our culture was just about being hardworking, work, doing your best, never giving up, always fighting. And just putting yourself in an opportunity. So at the end of the day, everybody knew you gave everything. And that's all I ever want from our guys. And we talk about it. We'll, we'll practice it. Um, you know, whatever it is, I always just want hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> we'll practice running on and off the field in X amount of time, just because I want our guys to be doing that. I don't care what they do in the big leagues. I don't care what you did for your summer team. I want you sprinting on the field. I want you sprinting off the field. It just looks right. It's what you're supposed to do. It shows an enthusiasm for what you're doing. So our guys will practice that as goofy as it sounds. We'll, we'll work on it. I want guy. I want to throw the ball around the horn correctly. I want to do things sharply. I don't want to lollygag. I don't want to just do things to do things. I want everything we do to have a purpose. And I want you to know the purpose. And I want you to understand the purpose. And I want the teams that we're playing against to understand why we're doing it that way. Yeah. If you had to pick, and maybe you have this spelled out explicitly, but if you had to pick three values that defines your program, and you've, you said a lot of them like hard work, but what would those three values be? Oh, honesty is definitely one. I, and again, it wasn't always one for me, but I think honesty is huge right now. Honesty, loyalty, not loyalty to a fault, but loyalty. Uh, to to your teammates, to your program, uh, just to each other. And, and obviously the work ethic one for me is huge, but uh, I think honesty, I think you have to be honest with yourself. You know, are you, can you look in the mirror and say you did what you were supposed to do today? Are you honest with your teammates? Are you honest with your, the trainers? Are you honest with the coaching staff? Are you honest with the weight staff? Um, and, and if you can do those things, if you can be honest all the time, you're going to be better. And I mean, being honest with yourself is probably the one that, that people cheat on the most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're all guilty of it. I mean, I, I wish I was in the same shape I was when I was 22 years old. And <laughs> I can honestly say I am not, but I mean, I, I think as an 18, 22 year old kid, you have to be honest with your friends. And I think I think sometimes that's the tough thing, being honest with your friends that are your teammates. I mean, I, I had teammates that when we played baseball, awesome, and you don't have to deal with me off the field. I've had players here at Plattsburgh State, some of our best players, are players that I know don't like me personally, but when it came to playing baseball, we had that same goal, and we could deal with each other when it came to baseball. It doesn't mean they dislike me, but I mean, we're not going to go hang out and, they, you know, hang out and have a beer or have a coffee or talk with our kids. But when it came to playing baseball, we had the same goal. And how does social media impact honesty these days? Oh, man, social media. Uh, <laughs> social media is tough because it just gives everybody uh, it's good and bad. I mean, it does give everybody an avenue to to say what they want to say, but I don't know. Are they saying it because they really mean it? Or are they saying it to catch attention? Are they saying it to, uh, to just get a rise out of somebody, out of something somewhere? Um, uh, social media is really, you know, I'm trying to think 20 years ago, Facebook was starting. I mean, I can remember when, when that was a big thing um, and, you know, being old, that's really what we use, but now you got, Twitter for a while was a huge one. I mean, people will hop on Twitter today and, and probably bash Jawan Howard, right? Is it or is it Jawan Howard that he just got out of a Big Ten game? 
you know, so, I mean, there's going to be people mad at them and, and people feel like they can say whatever they want to say and they can. That's the beauty of it. You can say whatever you want to say. You just don't have to respond. Um, but I wish uh, people would communicate face-to-face -face more like they do when they're on social media. Everybody will communicate on social media. Everybody will complain about things. Um, you know, there are some good things about it. I mean, there's definitely good things about social media. I mean, we've been able to get some recruits that we probably would have never, ever heard of. Um, and we have a young man from Florida right now that we definitely wouldn't have heard of. Uh, he reached out. We, we were able to connect on social media and he's going to be one of our first basemen or our DH, one or the other. I mean, that would have never happened without social media. So there are some good things. Um, uh, you know, it's just, it's a dangerous thing. Um, the, <laughs> it's tough to control what you say in a matter of a second. And once you hit that button, it's gone and, and, and you can delete it but it's still there. And who knows? I, I'm glad there wasn't social media when I was in college because my gosh, I would have done some dumb Me things. Too. Yeah. yeah I, I can't imagine having social media. I would, I, I was a fool at that age as it was. And to have this technology, I mean, I'm talking to you on a cell phone right now. I can remember the first cell phone the Stony Brook athletic department had, we had like three bags that you could carry and hook into the car. Um, you know, so it's the technology is, is awesome. It does some great things for us. Um, uh, but sometimes it's a, it's dangerous just to have that, that impulse right there. Yeah. And you know, what you said about honesty, one of the things I see, and as you said, so I'm 40, my development kind of followed technology. So I had mm -hmm. my first cell phone in college. Facebook was there, but I, no one really knew what it was until I was out of college. But honesty, the idea of honesty is, you know, what I see in, in young players especially is they're also they're living caricatures of themselves. That social media can engender this belief that there is you and then there's this other you. Uh, the you that you show to the world, you that gets likes, you that needs likes. Uh, and that's a much different space than not having some sort of avatar in the world of yourself. <clears throat> and so one of the questions I have for you is, you know, if I'm recruiting players and I go to a field, everyone knows who the best players are. That, that's easy. But I like to sit and I like to watch before the game and I like to watch after the game. And I'm looking at how people interact and how they are honest or not honest. And I'm wondering if you're, if you're, in a, if you're watching a game like that, what are those little things you look for that, you know, are not about how hard a kid can hit a ball or if he can catch a ball. What are those little details, those caricature details you're looking at? Sure. For me, it's it's kind of simple for me. I mean, obviously, you're right. I mean, I can go watch a baseball game right now and see the pitcher that's going to throw and say to myself, man, I'd wish I'd love to have him in Plattsburgh to play baseball. Or that shortstop's really good or that center fielder's really good. Uh, little things that I like to look for at baseball games and is uh, I love to watch kids run on and off the field. I love to watch kids that will pick up their teammates. Um, even if it's uh, the kid might've made a mistake, you know, just go pat your teammate on the back. Uh, I, I love to watch kids that will listen to their coaches during the game. I like to watch kids that, that uh, watch the game when they're not in, not necessarily in the game, but when they're not batting or they're not on base. I like to watch kids that are focusing on the baseball game. Um, and, and of those three, I probably was only one. I, I would definitely watch the game. I don't know that I personally was a great teammate at the time. I was, I was hot headed when I was in high school. Um, and it goes to, yeah, <laughs> I had a college coach that came and watched me. Uh, as my brother's college coach came and watched me, uh, was at the house for dinner after the game and said, Chris, I would never want you to play for me if you're going to play like that. And that it, it just opened my eyes. I struck out with the bases loaded. I threw my bat, just kind of walked out to the infield and coach left and the coach was at the house for dinner and he told me that. And it was just like, wow, I am a moron. And it's little things like that. I mean, people, it's easy to find, it's easy to find the great talented players, 
And and I wish I could get the great talented player at Division Three, but those kids are going to go someplace else. So we've got to find that next line of kids. And I'm looking for those kids that sprint on and off the field. I'm looking for those kids that are really good teammates. I'm looking for those kids that coach says something, I listen, then I go do it. And it, it, it's those things that separate the kids. Um, if you give me two kids with the same talent and one that will listen to his coach and one that doesn't, I want the kid that listens to his coach. And even if, if they're separated by talent just a little bit, I want the kid that's going to work extremely hard and sprint on and off the field and do the things that we need him to do because then his teammates are going to be able to deal with him. And if you can't be a good teammate, we've been through it. I mean, we've all been through it where uh, you get two short stops and your short stops really good. And all of a sudden you have a short stop in the, in the dugout that's rooting for him to fail. Well, if he fails, we fail. And you've got to get that out of whatever, whatever business enterprise coaching team, whatever it is, you got to have everybody on your team with the same belief. I wanted my teammates to succeed and that's what you need. And it's not, boy, I want him to fail. So I play. No, I want him to succeed. So we win. And if you, if you don't have that, you're in trouble. So what do you wish you could tell every young baseball player right now? Ooh, every young baseball player, I would, I would tell them to make sure they go to school. Uh, you know, I, I think so. I'll relay a couple stories. So my son's a high school junior. My son actually is playing high school baseball in Florida right now because we weren't sure New York was going to have baseball. Um, and all I've ever told him, and, and so he's grown up basically around the same family I've had, um, you know, somebody that's been in baseball forever, relatives that were successful in, in sports. And all I've ever told Brady is I, I don't care if you're really good at baseball. I need you to be the best person you can be. And then if you're going to play any sport and he plays three sports, just go do your very best. At the end of the day, do your best and nobody can ever be mad at you. Um, don't get caught up in, in comparing yourself to this person or that person. Just be your best. And you're going to compare yourself. That's human nature. Um, but just try to understand that you don't have to be as good as player A or player B. You just have to be the best that you can be. Uh, don't get caught up in, in chasing scholarships and, and, and things of that nature. Just go be you, whoever you is, go be you. Um, I wish that, that parents and, and, you know, I I've had two kids or I have two kids. I had Brady went through little league and, and, uh, summer baseball and travel baseball. He played on a, a New York State baseball team. So we played the, uh, the team out of Binghamton. Union Endicott won the Little League World Series. Maine Endwell. Maine Endwell won the Little League World Series. So the year before they won the Little League World Series, they beat Plattsburgh, New York, in the New York State Championship. And when we coached that team, I had a group meeting. There, you know, it was 12 players, 12 parents. And at the beginning of that, I went to the parents and I said, I just want to say one thing. Everybody here knows me. I know all of you. None of us are any good at baseball. None of us. So why are we expecting these 12-year-old kids to never strike out, to make every play, to make every throw, to hit the ball every time up? That's unfair. So don't do it. So drop your kid off at practice. Go home for an hour and a half. And then come pick up your son. And then during the games, just watch the game. And I think parent kids, you know, kids at that age are so worried about mom and dad being happy with them that let me yell at them. You guys just pat on the back on the way home and, and everybody will be good. And it just kind of worked for us. It was like uh, the same year that Mike Matheny wrote his Matheny manifest about yeah. parents, you know, just let your kids play. And and, and that's all I told them. I, I wish more parents. My favorite thing is not coaching my son. I, I've only coached my son as an assistant coach in Little League, as an assistant coach in the summertime. I've never been in charge of my son playing baseball. And that's the best thing that's ever probably happened to him and to me. I hate even having to be the assistant coach because I just want to watch my son play baseball. 
and I shake my head at the parents that go to the go to the game and expect their kid to get a hit every time up or to make every play because I'm watching major league baseball players that don't get hits every time up that make mistakes, they make errors and they're getting paid millions of dollars. It's going to happen when you're a kid, just let them play. So if I understand you, Chris, what you're saying is um, youth baseball players should not act and play like professional baseball players. They should want to play like <laughs> professional baseball players, but our expectations shouldn't be that they are. I mean, I did it. I guarantee I went out there and I wanted to be Don Mattingly. I wanted to be Willie Randolph. I wanted to be Dave Winfield. And we all emulate those guys, but I, I definitely didn't hit like Dave Winfield. I didn't hit like Don Mattingly. I didn't field like Willie Randolph. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's just let kids play every game. I mean, I'll go watch my daughter's soccer games and parents will yell and scream about every little play. They'll yell at the referees. And, and all I tell, like my wife has grown accustomed to it now. And I just tell her, nobody here is making any money on these kids playing sports. Just let them go enjoy it. Nobody's going to, my saying with the summer league teams is always, nobody's going to lose their job today if you guys lose the game. All right. So just do the best you can and go home and have a great day at the end of it. Yeah. Chris, as we head into the, and I, I'm so happy I get to use this pun, as we head into the home stretch, um, tell me a little bit about how COVID has impacted your program. Obviously, last season was cut yeah. pretty short. And yeah. how, how has it impacted you, the department, and where are you right now with all that? Right. So at Plattsburgh, it was actually one year ago today that we told the Plattsburgh State baseball team we weren't going on spring trip and that we were pausing for two weeks. And then obviously, ultimately, it led to the cancelization. Uh, and then this fall, our kids came back. You know, most of our kids were able to play baseball all summer long. And then they came back this fall and uh, – we were able to practice in small pods, but we actually only got to practice three times in the fall. Um, and that's usually a very important time for us to see our new players against some of our players that might not be able to make our team anymore. Um, and then we had a, a handful of seniors that were supposed to graduate that chose to come back. So normally that fall is our, our time to evaluate and compare everybody and let them know where they stand. And we didn't get that opportunity this fall. Um, and we just had the three days of practice and then we, you know, <laughs> zoom, 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 um, you know, zoom here, zoom there. We did meetings, we did special events, we did guests, um, we did all sorts of different things to try to stay interacted that way with each other. But, you know, that's difficult. I'm a, I'm really a face to face person that likes to talk to his players, talk to his team. And um, we didn't get any of that, you know, and that's tough to, you know, we, we can send out the emails and we can have the PowerPoints and say, this is what we're going to do. This is what we'll do here. This is what we're going to do here. Um, but not being able to practice it, you know, not, we haven't worked on a bunt defense yet. Tomorrow will be our first day of working on bunt defenses, first and third defenses, team offense, things of that nature. Tomorrow is the first day that Plattsburgh State Baseball will be able to be together as a unit. And we, we do have some kids that are out with either COVID or, uh, through contact tracing, but it's actually the first day we're allowed to be back together, which is crazy because uh, in a normal year, we would have been leaving for Florida today. Well, so if ever there was a man in a different. program used to uh, adjusting to upheavals, it would be you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think <laughs> no, it, it's, I feel bad for the kids because uh, like I've told them, I'm going to be here. Uh, I've been here for 20 years. I'll be here for however long they'll keep me. Whereas these kids get five years. You know, we had a, our, our starting shortstop is our best player. He uh, was supposed to graduate last spring. He only had one class left to graduate. So he, he actually stayed in school just to play baseball as a senior. Um, took his class, obviously finished the semester and then chose not to graduate so that he could come back this year and play some games. So he's been working in Plattsburgh. He's a Long Island kid working in Plattsburgh the whole year so that he could start school here in January. And now we're just holding our breath that he's going to get to play some games because it's, it's for him. I don't, I don't want to say I don't care, but it's, it's a different level of care for me. I'm always looking at it this year, next year, the year after he's done. Um, and you know, he had the season pulled out from under him last year and I was, 
my fingers are crossed that he's going to get some games in this year and it's looking like it's going to happen. So we're, we're somewhat happy with that. And just basic training protocol. Has there been things in place that you've had to have smaller groups or separations? Yeah. So we've done uh, every team here at Plattsburgh. So our spring sports teams are all playing our winter sports teams. were able to practice in small groups uh, starting like January one. So they've been going and they'll end this week. Um, but they had no seasons for the winter teams. Uh, for us, we were small groups for two weeks for the NCAA socialization program. Um, and then we'll start full team tomorrow. Uh, and, and I say full team, we're still going to be in pods, but we're all going to be at a pod at the same time. So it'll be a, a little bit different. We'll still be separated that way in case anything goofy happens. Uh, because right now, I mean, contact tracing is, is taking its toll. I mean, on kids, you know, kids, kids have no control over if they get COVID or not. I mean, it's just, it's there. Uh, you can just do the best you can not to get it. I've had COVID. I had it over the Christmas break. It, it's, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I was able to fight through it and, and keep going. So we're still here kicking. And I just tell the kids every time that come up with uh, either, hey, I, I, I tested positive or I had one today that my roommate tested positive. And, you know, it's you just have to do the best you can and learn to deal with it. And just it, it, it is what it is. Just fight through it. Chris, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation as we're about to wrap up. Where can people find you on social media? Oh, man, uh, I'm not really active on social media too much. I am on Twitter, uh, which is at Coach Dory 13. Um, and that's really it. Other than that, I, I try to avoid social media. Uh, I mean, obviously, we have baseball accounts uh, for Plattsburgh. You can find those by looking up Plattsburgh Baseball. They're on everything um but yeah chris dory himself is just at coach dory 13 uh you're not going to find anything too crazy there i definitely keep it keep it uh on the up and up um follow some baseball stuff follow my son's stuff but yeah it'd be great to get some followers and then if a someone's listening to this and they say i really want to be a part of plattsburgh's baseball team what's the first step you recommend they do to, to start that process Best thing to do, shoot, shoot me an email, give me a call. If you shoot us an email, spell my name right, uh, <laughs> or put Plattsburgh in there. Don't have Oswego or Portland or Brockport. Um, but yeah, just uh, reach out. We're definitely always available. Chris Story, thank you so much for your time. I've loved the conversation, and I really appreciate you uh, coming out. Thank you very much, Matthew. I appreciate it as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Performance Rising Podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can find all the information about the podcast at performancerising.org. And be sure to check out the Instagram page at performance underscore rising.